got some really important shit to get sorted and our democratic system is how we do that in Australia and so many other countries. Uh, it's got to work. Like, we've got important decisions to make. We've got things to solve. Uh, we, we have kids. We want them to be able to grow up enjoying, like, the same amazing opportunities that we have had. All of those decisions are going to go through our democratic process, and so we've got to make it work. Um, there is no democracy B, just as there is no planet B. <laughs> yeah. version of us and how do we actually build it? I'm Lillian Spencer and you're listening to The Remakers. Hey everybody, welcome to The Remakers. I'm Lillian Spencer and you are in for a treat today because we are chatting with none other than Craig Rucastle from The Chaser, War on Waste, Fight for Planet A, and many other awesome projects, and Saffron Zamer, who is the Executive Director of the Australian Democracy Network. And we're talking about a film that they are both in, well, Craig's behind the camera, Saffron's in front of it, called Big Deal, asking the question, is our democracy for sale? If you are familiar with Craig's work, then you know that he's a bit of a genius at taking big kind of complicated issues and making it engaging and accessible and entertaining. And that is exactly what Big Deal has done. So it stars Bondi hipster, YouTube sensation, Christian Van Buren, who very much presents himself as the kind of ordinary everyday guy who's just trying to kind of better wrap his head around what is going on with money and politics. What does corruption really look like? How do the people involved in the system justify it to themselves? How does it impede progress on the things that we care about? And what does it actually look like to have solutions? So it's a really funny film. It's really enjoyable. It is definitely not one just for the political nerds or the inner city lefties. This is a movie that you could really watch with just about anyone and it will hopefully be distributed beyond Australia as well. Um, Stay tuned for that. But right now it is out in cinema. So if you are not in lockdown, definitely go see it. Big deal. It's super enjoyable and you're going to love it. So this conversation is all about big deal. It's about our democracy. It's about what we think corruption looks like versus what it actually looks like and kind of what do we do like where to from here because none of this stuff is written in stone and you know these two guests that we have on today they're so fun and smart and real and saffron just makes an excellent point that if we can make our political system work that that unlocks progress right across the board every single thing that you care about that i care about it's like this skeleton key you put it in and all the doors open so let's go find out how to save democracy And if you live in a country outside of Australia, I think you're going to find that this conversation has lots of inspiring and relevant parts for you as well. Here is Craig Rucastle and Saffron Zomer. Welcome both of you to the show. It's such a delight to have you here. Um, Craig, let's start with you. Most Australians know you from projects like Fight for Planet A, War on Waste, of course, The Chaser. And so clearly you've been passionate about the environment um, for a long time now. What made you want to pivot and do a film about democracy? Like where did the idea for Big Deal come from? Yeah, look, it's interesting because, um, look, I've always been interested in politics. So kind of probably, you know, the chaser days, which were kind of more satirical comedy, were a lot more politics focused. Um, And while I was always interested in environmental stuff, that, you know, me kind of actually talking about that came later on. But during doing the, you know, War and Waste and Fight for Planet A and you know, I mean, anybody who's kind of been analysing climate politics in Australia gets to a point where you go, look, you can't really explain what's happening here 
with just reference to common sense or normality. You know, there are things that seem so strange. The decisions are wrong in so many ways. And you've got to go, well, to explain that, we've got to really understand what's going on behind closed doors with money, with influence, with that kind of thing. And so having done Fight for Planet A, which was about climate and what we could do and as a nation, and also Big Weather, which was about, I guess, the effects of climate change, the really the part of the story that was a bit untold was the, you know, the part of why are we not making the right choices here? But that said, big deal is not just about the environment. It's you know, it's looking at money and politics across, you know, a lot of policies. It, it affects us in terms of our, uh, you know, gambling laws. It affects us in terms of our health decisions. It affects us in terms of so many decisions, and often they're in, in areas that we don't really understand as well. So it's not it's not just about the environment at all. It's kind of that's just one of the examples of where unfortunately this particular phenomenon is screwing us over. So it seems pretty amazing to me that this film even got made. Like, tell me that pitch in the early days when you were going to people and saying, like, I want to make a really fun movie about democracy. (laughs) No, I I can take, I will not take credit for that because it was kind of a very organic process. Like, so Christian Van Vuren, who's the host of the show and Jungle Entertainment, had kind of been looking at this topic for a while and tried to work it out. And by a great deal of luck, I happened to have a couple of days off, a few days off when they were going down to uh, Shark Island, which is, a, you know, a documentary kind of workshop thing that Ian Darling writes. And I, they kind of, I said, can you come along and just kind of help out a bit with the writing or kind of thinking this through? <clears throat> and so at the end of that process, they kind of said, look, you should direct this. And I was like, well, I don't direct. What are you talking about? You, you, you idiots. I don't direct things. Um, and <laughs> I don't know who was right in the end. Uh, but yeah, like, so, so they said, can you direct this? And it was a topic I was, you know, really passionate about. And it's a topic actually that I think I'd had on my list of kind of things I wanted to cover for a lot of years anyway. So it was a great opportunity. And um, I agree. It's amazing it got made and it got made also in the middle of COVID, another nightmare. So it was not an easy topic. It's really not an easy topic because a lot of the stuff you're trying to cover happens behind closed doors and it happens at this kind of relationship level, which is really hard to show. So yeah, it was a fascinating journey. Yeah. I was totally amazed at the people that you got access to, Um, you know, former prime minister, uh, politicians from all sides, People who, um, you know, the disgraced former Labor MP, Sam Dastiari, who was like, yep, it's pay to play. Like, that's that's <laughs> democracy, people. Yeah. How did you convince people <laughs> to talk on camera? Well, it's interesting that, I mean, in many ways, probably the biggest story is how many people wouldn't necessarily talk about it as well. Um, I think that a lot of people who are involved in this particular kind of business don't like to talk about it. Politicians are kind of okay about talking about it because they've rationalized it in their head. They've kind of got a story about how it doesn't affect anything. And and to be to be fair as well, a lot of politicians who might be backbenchers or, you know, might be fairly junior, it doesn't necessarily craft their thinking at all times. But it kind of comes in a different channel. It kind of comes in the Sam Dastiari channel. It comes in that particular side of the party and has an influence. But I think they've rationalized it a lot and don't think it's a problem. And also on the business side, a lot of people uh, don't want to talk about it, uh, those who give donations and they kind of, uh, you know, don't love to talk about it. So look, we got some great people, but um, it was always interesting the people that wouldn't talk about it. And it is, it's a you know, like you kind of need something like, you know, I guess Malcolm Turnbull was in a time where he was really freeing himself up and letting go a little bit. Sam Dastyari too is pretty frank about this stuff, like remarkably frank. Um, but people like Jeff McCloy, the kind of, who's been at the kind of center of a lot of donation kerfuffles over the years and even gone to the high court over it. Just to hear somebody like that talk about it, it's just another world. It's different, different world to my world. I have to jump in on this, Craig, and tell you, uh, Lily, how he actually gets people to talk to him. Because <laughs> when Craig first suggested that I should be in the movie, I was like, nah, like I just, you know, work quietly. Like I, I prefer to go under the radar. I don't want to be in the movie. And he's like, well, I mean, you could do it the easy way. And if not, like me and my crew will jump out from behind a tree one day. Like just say yes, then you won't be in your pyjamas. I was like, oh, all right. Is that the way you roll? So, yeah, that's how he actually does it. That is partly. Look, I wouldn't have jumped out the 
the trees to use saffron. But that is that is true. It's interesting in things like, like you know, in Five for Planet A, if 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 you approach a company like Chevron or something and they say no to you, I'm like, well, I don't think that means that they get the right to not be in this thing. That's why that's why I'm going to turn up at your head office with you know a thousand trees and piss you off. Like, you know, just because you choose not to be part of it doesn't mean you're not going to be in it. So, uh, you know, that is that is a good approach to have. In Saffron's case, the reason I wanted her was that we spoke to lots of people before this and Saffron was just one of the people, I think, who so often managed to put it in a way that I kind of, you know, the penny dropped for me. It was like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought of that's a really good way. And to this day, like Saffron's in the movie talking about the tug of war between the different sides. And it's still the way I explain that to other people as well. It's just, you know, she's thought it about it a lot more than anyone else and that's why she's in the movie, despite the fact she plays hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're so thrilled to, to have her here, to have you here, Saffron, as well in this conversation because you have thought a lot about this and you are somebody who wants to talk about these things. And so I think it's such a, this film is such a fabulous opportunity to kind of have a bigger conversation about something that most of us imagine to be kind of too hard or too boring. So really it was that, it was the threat of ambush in your pajamas that got you to agree to, to be an expert on the film. Yeah. I just like, yeah, I've got really old pajamas. I just didn't want them on film. So it's like, yeah, let's set up a time. I'll wear clothes. No, not really. Um, the real reason is just like exactly as Craig says, it's such a challenging area to make accessible and compelling to people. Like the, I think the kind of instinctive response of so many of us when you say democracy is like a flashback to a uni classroom or something that you were supposed to learn in high school. And the fact is that actually like every single decision that makes a difference to the way we live our lives gets negotiated through that democratic system. If it's not working, it doesn't work for us. So like, I think just connecting those kind of theoretical sounding conversations to the impacts they have on the way we get to live and what the future will look like for our kids, like that's the challenge. And um, yeah, like it was just kind of amazing that this movie was being made at this time. I feel like Craig and I were like coming up different sides of the hill and then like popped over a crest at the same time. We're like, what? You're doing this too? That's so cool. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to be part of it because it was such a great opportunity to have a go at telling this story in a way that feels compelling um, and that hopefully it's, is like a starting place where we can move people to action. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting as well. I do feel like in this COVID period, one positive thing that's come from it in a sense is that people have realized you kind of get you've made you go oh our government matters it really does matter for me you know when they stuff up it has fundamental consequences to my life and you kind of see that writ large during COVID so it's it's kind of a good reminder of that for people to kind of go yeah we need to be engaged with our government we can't you know just you know, let them do it their own way and get out of the way because, you know, it's important. Yeah, it certainly has changed a lot of conversations. I mean, there are people talking about completely abolishing welfare pre-COVID and that doesn't seem like a popular idea anymore or, you know, why do we even need government? Um, Saffron, can you just introduce us a little bit to some of the work that you do at the Australian Democracy Network and kind of why that was formed? Because that's a fairly recent organization. Yeah, we're basically um, born straight into the start of the COVID pandemic. So that was um, pretty amazing timing. Um, I, I guess I came to this um, similarly uh, with Craig from, I don't know, how long is it now? Like 15 years in the climate movement, trying to get um, action on climate. And I really felt like, you know, back when I was first in the movement in the early 2000s, you know, we talk about how important action on climate was to protecting our alpine areas and the reef and all the places that we loved and for our health, but it felt solvable. Like it felt like we had time to turn it around and that's what was going to happen because it was just so eminently common sense and like the right thing to do. And then just like over the last few years, like 15 years on, I was just like, we're, we're not winning. Like, you know, we're just hurtling towards a crisis that will dwarf the COVID pandemic in terms of disruption and impacts on our lives and our planet. And I just couldn't, I just was like, we need to understand why, like what, what is it that we're not doing that means that we're not winning? And yeah, I just came to the conclusion that um, our political system, the way it's working right now, just isn't capable of delivering what we need. And a big part of the reason for that is that there's too much big money in the system and there's not enough people in it. 
Um, and so Australian Democracy Network is really an effort to create a space where people and organisations can share resources and strategies so that we can campaign for those things that will move the whole system because it's 100% true that it doesn't matter, like whatever your first issue is, whether it's climate or, you know, something else like human rights or education or public health, if our political system isn't working, that is going to function as an obstacle to progress for you. And if we can make the political system work, it unlocks progress right across the board. So it's like this kind of skeleton key, you just put it in and all the doors open, which is why like, I came to it from climate myself, but I 100% agree with Craig that it's not about climate, it's about any issue. Like You can substitute anything that you care about. If you don't have a functional democracy and you live in a democracy, then that's going to be stopping you from achieving the world that you want to see. Yeah. And I think this film for me, it really, you know, I'm someone who has been engaged in various causes my whole career. And I guess coming from the US originally, you know, I looked at Australian democracy through pretty rose colored glasses, actually, by comparison. Like it was like, hey, you know, we've got publicly funded elections, compulsory voting, like sausage shizzles. We are nailing this democracy business. And you know, then of course you, you start to sort of see a little bit more um, some of those negative influences. But I think what your film did for me was it helped me to go from realizing that, yeah, there's still a bit too much money swirling around the system and causing issues, particularly on things like fossil fuels, to actually like, oh crap, this is corruption. Like we don't call it corruption necessarily. We don't think of it as corruption necessarily, but we actually do have a bit of a problem with corruption. And if we don't fix it, how do we fix anything else? And I think that message is both like a real watershed, but it's also potentially really depressing and overwhelming because it makes you feel like there's one more giant problem sitting underneath all the other problems. And we, it's like, oh God, another thing to solve. So like, how do you it's, kind it's of- right. Saffron's going to solve it. It's fine. That's right. Yeah. Saffron, Saffron's onto that. So like <laughs> did making this film and doing the work that you do are you more optimistic that we can actually do this or are we all doomed? Look, yeah, look, there's a bit of both. I mean, as with all these things, you have the positive and the negative. And I think the film actually kind of goes on that journey as well. It's interesting that Saffron just said there's too much money and not enough people. And I think I probably went into this film, making the film, looking at the side of it, which was the too much money side. And the first several months we were kind of dealing with that part of it. And it was really it was quite depressing. You know, we're doing the interviews with Sam Dastiari. We're talking to people who are behind the scenes and getting affected by this. And it wasn't until later on where we started looking at, I think, more the solutions side, the people side and people power side, that it started to be like a bit more hopeful. It was kind of, there's a part of the film where you start getting quite, you know, I, you know, Christian's not the only one that was crying in the film, actually. I was crying behind the scenes. Uh, it becomes really hopeful. So there's definitely positive things that came out of it. Um, and I think, I think also one thing just to say with this is that it, it's not a black and white issue in the sense it's not like all politicians are in favour of keeping money in politics. There are a lot of politicians who would love to get rid of this. And there are a lot of great people in politics, you know, a lot of people who go into politics for the right reasons and they don't like the fact that these kind of structural problems mean that they don't get done what they wanted to get done. So it's, you know, I think that, yes, there's a hope because there are good people in politics who do want to change this and that's from all sides. But I think there's also hope because there's some interesting changes happening in terms of activism and people becoming involved in politics, whether through Voices for Movements or otherwise, that's also a kind of hopeful part of this and that's pushing that change along and hopefully we'll see some kind of change. Saffron, what do you think the biggest game-changing solutions are for our democracy? If we could make you queen for a day and wave a wand, would it be a democracy? Haha. <laughs> well, anyway, we're not going to get into the weeds here, people. I know we have a constitutional. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think are some of the big ideas that would really help our democracy be more worthy of the people that it's trying to serve? I mean, I just have to go on the record and say I'd be totally up for one day of benevolent dictatorship with me as the queen before we move to a proper democracy. Um, uh, <laughs> well, look, I mean, there's so many ways that you could cut this, but I mean, we have already decided what our first priority is, and that is... Uh, we need to legislate this package of reforms that we've written up as our framework for a fair democracy, um, which we think will reduce the undue influence of big corporate power on our system. 
and help us to rebalance our system so it's actually capable of delivering what Australians want and what's in our best interests. I, I think, um, you know, it would probably be a mistake to just pick out any one piece of that and say it's donations or it's lobbying because these things are like deeply interconnected. Uh, you can't just like pull out one thread. It has to be a more systemic approach. But I think overall what we need to do is set the rules so that our elected leaders are um, on the straight and narrow and and they're working for us. They're not working for major corporate powers, they're not working for their own political party. They're working for the people who sent them there. That's what a democracy is. Um, and I think, you know, it feels um, like you were saying, when you think about corruption, it does feel incredibly big and like one more existential threat that we have to figure out what to do about along with all the others that we have on our lists. But none of this is set in stone. There's no, there's no reason why it has to be the way it is. All of this can change and we can definitely be the people to change it if we want to be. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, sorry, Craig, do you want to jump in there? No, I was just saying, absolutely, we can change this. And it is interesting, you know, you talked earlier about the fact that we've got public funding here. We do have some really good things in Australia, but it's like we've made half of the changes. Like we've gone, yes, we've got public funding, but then we've also gone, but you can still take as many donations with no caps on them from anywhere. And you, you just go, that's insane. Like why did you bother making the first part of the change there? And then just leave the other door open at the, at the same time. So it's about just, and it goes back to the kind of, it's about rebalancing. It's like I, I, by the way, don't get me wrong. I don't think most politicians are actually really attuned to their electorates. Right? They're actually, they talk to a lot more people than most of us do. They're actually quite attuned. So what you need is you need that electorate to be really feeding back to them. And it need you need them to be taking out the other influence, which is them being attuned to other aspects, you know, of influence, influence behind closed doors. You just need to balance that up so that the politician is like, look, I'm going to get smashed if I do this back in my electorate, and it's not worth it because I can only get two thousand dollars off this large company rather than a hundred thousand dollars, and it's not really worth it. Who cares about that kind of thing? <clears throat> and you've also, you've tightened up the jobs after, so I can't go straight into a lucrative job with those people till after five years after I've been in the ministry or something like that. You just got to, you've got to change all these little rules, just change, close these doors so that when our politicians are listening to their electorate and their people around them, that's the loudest voice they're hearing. And that's what's the problem at the moment. I don't think it's necessarily the loudest voice. Mm, I love that because I think it puts the focus on the system and how do we tweak the system rather than vilifying or lionizing the individuals within it, which is, you know, everyone loves to politician bash. You know, that's an easy kind of lazy sport to do. And it becomes part of that cynical narrative that they're all just in it for themselves. What does it matter? And what you guys, I feel like, are doing is like trying to zoom out a little bit and go, well, hang on a second. Like, where are the rewards here? Where, what is the kind of behavior that is required? If, if you need to drum up a whole bunch of money to run for office, there's this really memorable visual in the film where Christian talks about, you know, he, we, we banned, uh, well, we, we provided public money, right? And so, he, but we haven't actually gotten rid of the private donations. And so he puts all these nicotine patches on himself and then lights up. It's like, it's too much money. It's too much nicotine going through the body. Like you, you have to take away something here. Christian did think he was going to possibly die when we filmed that because <laughs> we put an enormous amount of nicotine patches on him and then made him smoke. And he's like, I'm going to get nicotine poisoning doing this. It's like, well, it's for a good cause, Christian. <laughs> I was going to say, I've, no, 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 you're fine. Um, the thing that I feel like is underappreciated about all of those nicotine patches or all of that money coursing through the system is that um, it, it's in Australia, it is definitely not the case that like you walk into a politician's office and plop down an Aldi bag full of cash and then you get your policy. Like, if, if that's your idea of how the money works, it doesn't work that way. What the money does, though, is it facilitates these repeated contacts, which build high trust relationships. And that is how you get access and influence. And so before I was, um, before I started the Australia Democracy Network, I spent the, the previous seven years as the government relations person at the Australian Conservation Foundation. So I spent like hours and hours in that building. 
And like on a very small scale, I feel like I use that same approach myself. Like if I know that you like, um, you know, Senator Lilly, you've broken your foot, you can bet that I'm going to text you when I'm in the line at Aussies and offer to bring you up a cup of coffee. Or if I know that like, you know, Craig, the staffer has just redone his kitchen, I'm going to remember that and I'm going to ask to see the pictures on your phone. And like, there's no obligation there. There's like nothing, no shady transaction, but will it make you more likely to pick up the phone for me next time? Like hundred percent it will. And and that's what the money does, but like turned up to like 11 or like 1100, you know? So I think that our, a lot of our conception around what money does is wrong. It doesn't work that way. Works, works still has the same outcome, but the, the kind of function is a little bit different to what is popularly understood. Yeah, and that, that's that's what makes the kind of story so hard is that it's not like people are smart enough in the system to not make it so you go, oh, here's a donation and here's very clearly me requiring you to change this thing and then it changes like that. It's much more subtle. People are clever enough in the system. These are smart people involved in this and it is relational and that's why sometimes it's quite fascinating that the donation is actually quite small. Saffron's right, and that's what makes it so hard to do this movie is it's about relationships and it's the money is just the start. I mean, you know, like that's why we, we, Sam Destiaro describes it as pay to play. The donation is just for him. It's the first indication that you want to be part of the game. It's not the whole game itself. It's just like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're willing to give a donation. And then, of course, when you've got your, you know, business forum or your fundraiser of course we're willing to have a table and that's just part of relationship building that goes on here and again you can't fundamentally stop that like the reality is that business is always business and unions as well are always going to have a benefit in that you know are going to have a stronger role so you need to try and balance it up so that they don't have a not only a kind of a first step their advantage but then a second and a third step they're even more advantaged because of donation laws and all these other rules so it's just about trying to balance that up again and at the moment it's really unbalanced and you know um, to go back to your point earlier Lily look we we are better than America in a lot of ways but when it comes to transparency we're actually worse so transparency we're worse and that's one of the things we really need to fix and one of the amazing things about this is we kept using the word corruption most of the stuff we cover in this documentary is not illegal. That's the point of the documentary. The point of the documentary is to go, this is what is totally accepted. This is the norm. This is the system. And you're not going to see a front page paper um, story about this because nobody's breaking a rule. Nobody's breaking the law. So nobody writes it up as a front page story because everyone just assumes this is the way it works. And that's the actual outrage of it. Does that mean that if we were to go ahead and get something like the federal um, ICAC, you know, the kind of Integrity Against Corruption Commission, it wouldn't mm. actually solve most of this stuff because most of the stuff is I, actually I legal? A, I, I think that's an important part of it. That's an important part of it. But you do actually have to also fix the rules so that, you know, it's no point having a, a federal corruption commission that's, that's you know, in charge of really shit rules because they're like, well, no one broke the rules this year. And you're like, yeah, but that's because the rules are rubbish. You know? I'd it's even like, take it one step It's like further. having a, a police force with no laws. Um, Craig, and Sorry. that's kind of why I think it's so great that we have this excellent movie that's about to launch is because like when I, like when, when people ask me like, well, what would it look like if we won? Like, what would it look like if we fix this? I'm like, well, you know, when Gina Reinhardt holds her great big party in the huge, um, you know, main grand hall at APH and everyone goes to schmooze with her, like when we've won, MPs will be saying, oh, I'm so sorry, Gina, like I just can't come this year because my constituents just really don't like the idea that I hang out with billionaires and schmooze with them and take their money. I really can't afford to be there. I can't have a photograph taken at an event like that. I think there's like an element of culture shift that, is like that's that's one of the things that a movie can do that's just really hard to do where we have to like re-establish norms that we say like we live in a democracy our members of parliament work for us we hold them accountable if they're not doing a good job we'll replace them and yeah like schmoozing with billionaires and taking massive donations is one of the things that we expect our members not to do so you you got to change the rules i 100% agree with that but there's like there's even more of the iceberg underneath 
Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like if, can you imagine how outraged we'd be if we said, you know, yeah, well, look, we don't have one person, one vote in Australia. We've got like, like I've got one vote, but Clive Palmer, he's got 80 million votes. You mean, we'd be outraged, yet, yet <laughs> we have a system whereby they can have an extraordinary element of influence otherwise on this other part of the, of the system. And that's where you really need caps on donations. You need caps on a spending as well, because it's interesting that both both Dastiari and Turnbull, you know, both brought up the thing of it's an arms race. Like they're in an arms race against each other. And, you know, they're both sides are trying to get more and more money to kind of compete in for advertising, all that kind of stuff. And you go, well, look, if you put a proper cap in place on that, the world's regulated, then it slows down that arms race. It gives less influence to those people who are donating to that arms race. And that's a really important part of it as well. And that seems like such an like, oh my God, you know, what a utopian solution. Could that ever work anywhere? And then of course the film talks about, well, actually, yeah, that, that is working in other places in the world. Hey everyone, just a quick plug to say if you're enjoying this conversation, then we would love you to spread the word. We are a brand new show building an audience about not only what is the best version of us, how do we live our best lives or be our best selves, but also how do we build the systems that are worthy of us, that can rain down positive change for others, that can set us all up for success. And we would love you to subscribe. We would love you to spread the word. We would love you to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. And if you would like to know a little bit more or get more content from Australia Remade, you can check out our website, australiaremade.org or follow us on social media. We're getting better at it. You can go to Instagram or Facebook, or I think we're also on Twitter. That would be Millie's department. All right, everybody, back to the show. brings up the example of Ireland, which I had to go and look up. So the legal maximum for anonymous donations is set at 100 pounds, pretty reasonable. The maximum annually for all donors, whether you're a corporation or a citizen, is about 6,000 pounds per party, 2,000, sorry, euro, why am I speaking in pounds? Uh, 2,000 for a parliamentary candidate. And so it seems like they've actually done it. They've said like, okay, this is you know, we're really going to limit money. Are there examples like this that that you think other where other countries are really actually doing this pretty well, like the, that Australia could learn from? Look, look, I mean, there are, there are. Canada as well has done a lot on this front. Canada and Ireland are two of the leading ones that are probably closest to Australia. Um, again, and this is not to suggest that these systems are perfect or uncorruptible yet. Like there is a real whack-a-mole situation with this that it's it's hard to do, but they've at least really tackled it. And what's interesting from the Irish example is that it came about because they were a country that got really hammered in the, the global financial crisis. And it was because they had really tight ties, particularly between um, that developers, you know, developers and government. And they kind of realised at that point, they're going, oh, man, we've been... We've had a really bad approach that's got us in more trouble now because we had these tight links between developers and, and ministers and that. And you know, as for Australia, you'd think, well, that kind of rings a bell. But it's often it's often a crisis that leads to these changes happening. So Queensland, or you know, one of the surprising things of this movie is that. Queensland has some of the best rules in Australia, and that's because they've gone through a high share of political scandals where they've gone, oh, no, you've caught us. We'll have to fix these rules a bit. Um, and so, you know, this is it. We, maybe that's why we need the kind of Federal Corruption Commission. We just need a few more scandals where we catch people so that it's like it, they have to go, okay, well, I guess we'll change the rules. Um, and that gets us Do you closer think to um, but, Craig you know, Kelly and Clive Palmer teaming up will do that? Oh, that's certainly got some opportunities there. <laughs> I think people getting text messages from Craig Kelly certainly make people more outraged by the system. Uh, yeah. What do you think? So, yeah. What do you think, Saffron? Um, where should Australia be looking to to learn from? Uh, I probably agree with Craig that like there there isn't like one place where I'd be like they've just nailed it. It's perfect. There's like places which have um, strong policies in different areas and I think like you need to start from where you are so like the reforms that might work for a different um, democracy may not be the best for us 
Um, so when we put together our framework for a fair democracy, we spent 12 months talking to people before we put pen to paper just to ask, like, if the rules were like this, you know, how that how would that impact on your participation in public debate? Like, if the threshold was this versus that, like, would that mean that you couldn't be involved? Because um, all of these things are really, like, the, the impact really depends on the context. So I would never think that the solution for us was going to be to cut and paste from elsewhere, but there's certainly elements that we can take from different places and, and learn a lot. And I think, like, if you boil it down, like, I mean, we've we've done a bunch of message testing and talked to a bunch of people about this. And like Craig said, like, is it fair for Clive Palmer to have however many million votes and the rest of us to have one each? Well, no, that's not a democracy. And I think most Australians would agree with that. And, you know, I've run into people who criticise this approach, especially around spending by saying, you know, like, you're you're stopping me from having speech. Like, why shouldn't I be able to buy access? Why shouldn't I be able to buy advertising? I've, did you interview people who said that to you during the movie, Craig? Yeah, yeah. It look, look and, and to be honest, the the fundamental challenge for reform in this area is free speech and is actually high court cases and decisions that have already been made. There's already been there's been some positive ones, but there's been some that overall are quite negative in terms of reform in this area. And look, I I don't think we've got to ignore the kind of free speech element of it and you know i spoke to one person who again wouldn't go on camera was like you know they were from the kind of union background they're like well i don't see why there's any reason if, if the, all the nurses want to get together and get together 10 million bucks to try and slam the liberal party who are bringing in a policy that screws them why shouldn't they be able to do that um there is a free speech element in this and it's a really interesting but it's, i guess it's about how do you get a system whereby everyone's speech is kind of has an equal opportunity to be heard. And that's what we that's don't exactly have. That's exactly the, the reframe, 100%. Yeah. Like yeah, if you yeah, imagine exactly. the so three look, of us were in a political debate and like Craig has got like a massive megaphone and he's just like yelling through it the whole time, like <laughs> election spending caps are like taking away Craig's megaphone. So he's not as loud, but all of a sudden you can hear me and Lily trying to say something um, you know, like less speech for one person might be more speech all around and certainly a more democratic take on what free speech is. Yes. And it's not it's not it's not actually stopping free speech because those people still you know, you are not gonna come up with a system where the Minerals Council can't put its view out there. But, you know, for instance, you should really be able to know that okay, I saw that ad, I know that's a Minerals Council ad, I know where they're coming from. And, you know, you should be really transparent what's going on there so that you can respond to that. And that's that's fine. That's not stopping your free speech. But saying that you can surreptitiously kind of, I'm not saying this about the Minerals Council, if any lawyers are listening, but, you know, <laughs> saying that you can surreptitiously use backdoors to kind of donate a certain amount of money to a party and not be seen that way, that's a different, that's not an element of free speech. And that we've just got to not go down the American, Lily is the American here, we've got to not go down the American route of the Citizens United case where they kind of basically found that, you know, money is free speech. Let us never go down that. Amen. And also that American route where now, like, instead of, you know, it's not just the parties making ads, it's citizens for responsible use of, da, da, you know, and you see just this barrage of third party ads, not just at election time, but all the time. And they, they just seem to be vile. Um, and, and having that sort of volume turned up loud at that level all the time seems to be pretty corrosive. Like, would it be possible to limit what parties could spend and at the same time try to mitigate how they could set up, you know, shale um, projects or packs or whatever to then put out all of the sort of negative attack ads that they would otherwise be spending on their own brand? I was going to say, I think the Queensland laws are actually our best example in Australia of of trying to balance that. And I think that they've actually had a pretty good go at, um, yeah, catching those loopholes without actually silencing civil society participation across the board. So if there was like a local example where I would say that's that's working, I would say that would be our best attempt so far. But, but in Queen, it is a good attempt. But in, where it hasn't stopped is, you know, you've still got $600,000 coming in from 
fossil fuel donors over several years. So it's still got that. I mean, it has greater transparency in the sense that you can go, as we show in the show, you can kind of go, look, these are all the meetings that the ministers are having with people from Santos or something. But it still doesn't. I don't think they've got the, the, the total balance right there. Um, and in terms of campaigning, like I, I am open, I'm aware of some of the concerns from within political parties and that political parties, they're not totally corrupt in this. So they will take in donations and kind of they have got certain structures in place to make so, so that, you know, those donations are in some way blunted in their their effect, you know, that they do regulate it in the sense like, you know, they don't, you don't, donors don't just get what they want all the time. So you do have to be careful of moving to a system where you take all funding away from the political parties and then you just leave it in the hands of companies or unions or whatever to do all of their own campaigning because in a sense that becomes the same game. If I'm a member of the political party, it doesn't matter whether you're giving me the money to run my own ads. I know that the only way I can, you know, the only way I'm going to win this election is to get those most people in in, with a lot of money who are going to run their own ads which benefit me. So you they have to have constraints on other parties advertising as well. Otherwise you just get, you know, because it's a carrot and stick. Like to be honest, some corporations come to you and go, here's some money. Some just come to you and go, we're going to run a shitload of, ton of ads against you in your marginal seats. You know, you see Greg Combe talking about that um, in, in the Carbon Club. So it's... It's it's a really hard thing to shut down all of those different levels of influence. And just to say as well, by the way, um, it's not just it's not just. There's a, I think sometimes a conception of this, and I don't think we put enough of this in the movie. To be honest, we just was kind of we couldn't get people to kind of frame it properly or say it on a camera enough. But it's not just an issue of companies going to politicians and trying to corrupt them. It goes the other way as well. Often it's the political parties actually going to the companies with no invite and going, hey, guys, you need to give us money. And you can imagine, you watch Sam Dastyari in this movie, you can imagine what it was like for so many companies to have Sam Dastyari on your tail asking for money. It would have been fucking nightmare <laughs> like and like even even Turnbull admits because he used to be the federal treasurer of the little party he was like well you know and I, I would knock on a lot more people's doors they're knocking on the doors that way so it's not to say that companies themselves wouldn't like this to be fixed up so that they don't have people hassling them and saying you know the interesting thing that we could never get set on camera was an example of where a business person had basically kicked up a bit of a fuss about this and somebody had said look Shut up! You make you pay the money, or you won't get the contracts, and that's the thing. You know that does what it does can happen. It can come to that point at some point, but you know this is a two way street. It's a real two way street that needs to be uh, closed down. So even though they're never going to publicly um, advocate for tighter uh, donation bans or spending caps or spending limits, you actually think that there are some companies out there that would be a bit relieved if we started to clean up the money and politics situation and took the pressure off this arms race for their benefit as well? Because yeah. you're right, they've got to have better things that they'd like to spend their profits on than giving money to politicians for T access. Totally. And to be honest, it, it cleans up the whole system because you have a look in, the, in a case like this, and I think there's a you've got to be really careful with this documentary because at the moment there's a tendency towards conspiracy as well, right? So, you know, it really matters that in the middle of a pandemic when our government chooses to partner with a, a, a company because they've got a, a drug that's really important or a vaccine. It's really important that people trust that and think it's done for the right reason. If you've got it and you, somebody can go, hang on a second, they've made all these donations over the last year, there are many, already people start to become suspicious about it. Now, those donations have been maybe nothing to do with the way in which that vaccine has been chosen, but it just it messes it up. So if, you know, the, the better companies out there, the good companies out there who would be getting the contracts because they do the right thing and, you know, they don't benefit from a system whereby they go, well, we always have to kick this money in. And the problem is that when we do get the contracts, even though it's not to do with that donation, everybody says we got it because of the donation. So it cleans up the whole system and it brings back the really important thing, which is trust. Trust is the central part of our democracy and that's what we've la we're lacking at the moment. Absolutely. Saffron, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, listening to that 
it's pretty easy to be like, oh my God, like this is just so complicated. Like that, like Craig's been researching this for like two and a half years now. Uh, and he's still saying like, it's all just really difficult, which is true, right? Like it is really complicated. And I think in some ways, like our efforts don't have to achieve perfection because a democracy is meant to be a system that's under constant renegotiation. So like the not having the perfect solution or knowing exactly what we should do first or do next shouldn't be an obstacle to us taking steps um, because, yeah, that's what a democracy is. It's going to be a permanent conversation about how we want things to be and who whose viewpoints will, you know, predominate and all those things and that's fine that's what democracy is but I think really for me like you can kind of short circuit so much of that like uh policy nuance complexity stress by just going right back to basics and saying like we're in a democracy part of our civic obligation is to look after that system by participating in it and giving a shit what happens and keeping ourselves informed and finding ways to be part of our communities and contribute to them and then like yeah it's going to be messy and it's going to be built up bit by bit but like actually if you boil it right down it's not super complicated i agree so on that I agree. Sorry, ahead, it's, it's, it's actually there's really easy things that can be done, and but the the real takeaway for me from this movie was exactly as Saffron said: is get involved, give a shit, because in the end, that's going to make sure that the most change is achieved. And when you talk about getting involved and giving a shit, you don't just mean like go join a political party or, you know, go start a Voices for a movement. Although, please, if that's what you want to do and, and there's a group that you align with, go do that. But you mean getting involved in like really granular, everyday, ordinary kind of ways. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Saffron, you want to start? Sure. Um, yeah. So... I, I I totally agree. I think that like rebuilding democracy is like, did you used to read Choose Your Own Adventure when you were a kid? Like you can you can find so many pathways into this thing and it can look like whatever is your jam. Um, civil society, which I use like as a term to mean all kinds of different community organisations, whether that's like your local cricket club or it's, you know, a branch of a major political party, those are places where people come together and learn the skills of active citizenship. Like that's, that's how we learn to be effective citizens and to have a voice and to make change in the world around us is by coming together with other people and figuring out how to do it. It's very difficult as one person in a democracy. I mean, you know, you could look at people like Greta Thunberg and like, yeah, like you can start something and just pick it up and do your own thing and can turn into a global movement. But for most of us, if we want to change the world and make it more like the world we want to see, we need to be together with other people. That's how we make change. Um, So I just reckon like, you know, the, the trend's really clear over the last couple of decades as corporate power has grown and grown and grown in our system, like all different kinds of community organisations have lost members and lost participation, whether that's faith-based organisations or political parties or community organisations. And that means that I think that as a as a citizenry, we have de-skilled ourselves a bit, like, you know, and that that's part of how it feels so hard and so hopeless and too big to, you know, make a start on. So I, I really do think that... Um, it can look whichever way you want it to look. And if you don't like, you know, what's on the news, you need to get together with other people and make some news of your own. Like that's how we're going to change it. Um, Yeah. And I think like for folks who wanted to find like a middle ground, am I allowed to like make a little plug for this great campaign that's just been launched a few months ago? Um, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do with the Our Democracy work is create a space or a vehicle that if you see Craig's movie and you're like, oh crap, like this isn't actually the way I want our political system to look. It is so easy to join a movement of people who share that concern, like literally just hop over to our website and fill in our petition and then you're in a list and there'll be like opportunities to raise your voice and meet other people who share your concerns and go see a community screening of that movie and then go and harass your local MP and tell them to do better on integrity. Like all of that stuff 
is really, um, you know, it's happening all around. The more I do this work, the more inspired I am by all the different people that I'm meeting who are working on different pieces of this. Like the opportunities to get involved are just like endless. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have all the links to um, the various websites um, in the show notes for people. But definitely that, you know, go to the ourdemocracy.com.au to get involved in that campaign because it's great. And obviously, Craig, we want people to go see this film. <laughs> and when they do and they Who watch it in it cinemas, be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if it look, it's it's <laughs> out this week. If you are not in lockdown, you can go find it and see it in, in a cinema near you. You can also go to the website um, when you when you do watch it or if now if you're keen or you want to organize a community screening and you can find out ways of um, connecting with people in your area, getting in touch with your MP, you know, just really getting inspired to like create a democracy that's not for sale. Yeah, exactly. And you, if you go to makeitabigdeal.org, you can you can arrange for people in lockdown. We are going to have community screenings and there will be ways to actually see the movie as well. So <clears throat> you can do that. Um, so hopefully that's, you know, you can get involved. And it, it's interesting though, just one thing I would want to point out is that part of getting involved, like you might be, let's just say, don't presume this is like I've got to get involved in Voices for Movement or something or, or got to become involved in a trade union or something to be part of this. Um, the Voices for Movement that we talk to, Voices United, is really inspiring what they're doing. And I think they are trying to change the dialogue around politics. But you might say, but I'm a Liberal Party member. I'm a Liberal. I've always voted Liberal. Uh, get involved at that level as well. Because one of the things is, is that the Liberal Party doesn't line up with what Liberal Party members believe. If you were to poll Liberal Party members, they still want more action on climate change. A majority of them want action on climate change. <clears throat> Why does that not happen? Partly because people aren't really involved. They're like, I vote every three years, but I don't do anything else. If you have more people at a grassroots level getting involved in their party, whether it's Liberal, Labor or whatever, they need to be, you know, that can actually then push for more change there. And I think that's part of the problem at the moment is that because the political parties have actually shrunk in terms of their grassroots membership. And that's given much more voice to the other elements, which are the kind of you know, your, your, your corporate donors or your union donors or whatever it is. So you can get involved in a political party. I'm not telling people to become lefties or whatever. It's not about that. It's about getting involved in your political party, whatever particular side it is, and making sure that it actually does reflect what you believe. And at the moment, I think that often it doesn't reflect what the actual people that vote for believe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you guys have succeeded with in this film, and I really don't know how you've done it, is you've made a documentary about democracy that doesn't just appeal to the super nerds, the lefty political activists. This is not a spinach and eat your vegetables kind of better choke it down film to be a good person. This is like a genuinely entertaining, grab the popcorn, like chat to your family, chat to your mates if you're allowed to do that, you know, have a Zoom watch party, whatever you're doing. Because like, I feel like this is a film that it really doesn't matter what your politics is. Like you can get into this, you can get behind this. And that's a lot, lot to Christian's credit. You know, having Christian Van Vuren as the host, who's not, he's not a political tragic at all. So you're seeing it through his eyes. And he would often say, like, you know, he used to be a, a landscaper in the Shire, in Cronulla area, right? So, you know, he's would always be thinking, you know, I want, I want this to be done in a way that my old mates who are, you know, tradies in the Shire can watch it and understand it. And that's a really big part of it. Like, I hate preaching to the converted. I think it's an absolute waste of everyone's time. So, yeah, this movie's not aimed at people who are already, it's not aimed at Saffron. I don't care if she watches it. She already knows all the answers. <laughs> this is aimed at <laughs> This is aimed at normal people who are kind of going, I just don't feel like democracy is responding to me, is listening to me. So, yeah, get along, have a, have a watch. It's, there's fun bits in it. There's funny bits in it. There are strange bits, you know. <laughs> You know, enjoy it, hopefully. But yeah, that's a that's a lot. Thanks to Christian as well. Yeah, that was actually a question I was going to ask you right at the top. Was like, was it a deliberate choice for you to be off camera this time and be the director and let someone else, you know, take the spotlight? No, no. As you I just said, got roped into directing a film. Yeah, I got roped into directing it, and um, <laughs> but it, it it was really good in a way because I think that if I had been hosting it, I would have come to it with a lot more presumed knowledge, and I think that the conversation might have started at a level, a different level. And having Christian, and one of the things I found fascinating is you, because, you know, I'd be watching Christian do an interview with people and he's kind of hearing this stuff for the first time. And often his outrage at things made me realise, oh, I probably wouldn't have been as outraged because I 
you know, is much like the politician, I've, ah, oh, that's how it is, isn't it? You know, you get to the point where you accept that that's how the system works. So to see that kind of level of outrage through Christian's eyes is a really important part of the movie. And to see kind of his natural response to things and to, to voices for Indi, you know, the fact that he got so emotional there is kind of amazing to see. Yeah. It's really, it's really refreshing. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just normal people. Mm, exactly. So <laughs> Saf, on your face a minute ago, I just wanted to reach through. <laughs> people can't see, obviously, our faces right now, but Saf, I'm like, I'm a normal person, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me watch the movie. I want to watch the movie too. <laughs> My kids watched it and they found it entertaining. Um, and I think that's like the litmus test of good political communication. Can an eight-year-old understand what's going on? <laughs> um, so, yeah, my son watched it the whole way through, found the outrageous bits outrageous, yeah. thought the funny bits were funny. <laughs> yeah, like your teenagers it. are going to know Christian from his work on the internet, right? Like he's this YouTube yeah. star, Bondi hipster. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of, part of the fun thing is seeing Christian in this world, you know. Like like I truly like like him. It was funny watching him with Sam Dastyari because, like, you know, like in a, in a way it's kind of like feeding him to the sharks, uh, to put him, sit him down with Sam Dastiari because Dastiari, you know, he's just so across this stuff. But to see Christian started getting outraged and started pushing back against it because he's like outraged at what's happening. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it was fascinating to watch, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, look, you, you guys have done brilliant. You've really threaded the needle on this one. You've made something that is important and entertaining and human and real and accessible. And that I hope really galvanizes a kind of, bigger conversation about hang on like actually we can do better than this let's hope eh? that's that's the hope that's the hope we 100% can and I feel like um in some ways I'm like we've got no option but to right (laughs) like we if if you just notice the IPCC report that came out recently like we're on the clock here we've got some really important shit to get sorted and our democratic system is how we do that in Australia and so many other countries. Uh, it's got to work. Yeah. Like we've got important decisions to make. We've got things to solve. Uh, we we have kids. We want them to be able to grow up enjoying like the same amazing opportunities that we have had. All of those decisions are going to go through our democratic mm-hmm. process and so we've got to make it work. Um, there is no democracy B, just as there is <laughs> no planet B. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like I certainly don't mean that in a kind of defeatist way, yeah. but I'm just like it's not like a nice to have. we got to do yep. it. Yep. Agree. Here, here. Let's do it. Amen. Well, on that note, thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for your time today and telling our audience all about this wonderful film and the wonderful work that you are doing. We are just behind you 3,000%. So we appreciate it all. We love your work. Please keep doing it. And um, and we'll all get involved. Thanks, Lily. Thanks, Saffron. Thanks, Lily. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. It was fun to chat. Feels like a little holiday from my horrible homeschool trying to work at the same time life. <laughs> yeah, we all need a lockdown holiday right now. All right, thanks everybody. Thanks, See you next time. See you. Bye. Craig Recastle and Saffron Zalmer. You can go to the website makeitabigdeal.org or look up the Australian Democracy Network to get more involved and make sure that you see the film Big Deal. Next time on The Remakers, we have part two in our series, deep diving into democracy in this movie with a very excellent David Barrow who features in the movie, as well as his colleague, Tui Nguyen. They are professional community organizers and they take us to school. This conversation is about people and democracy and power and how we come together across difference, across divides, to really create more of the world that we want. Wherever you live, whatever you care about, whatever your day job is, this conversation is something that I think you will find electric and inspiring. So I encourage you to check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. We'll see you next time on The Remakers.
This has been The Remakers, a podcast by Australia Remade. We celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and cultures at the very heart of what it is to be Australian. That is 60,000 years as the oldest continuing civilization on earth. I record this podcast from Dara country, which is just north of Sydney. I want to pay my deepest respects to elders past, present and emerging on this land. I also want to thank my collaborator in chief and sometimes special guest co-host, Millie Rooney. Also a huge thank you to our producer, Anna Wilson and our chair, Louise Tarrant. If you like our theme song, it is by the Duke of Norfolk. You can learn more about Australia Remade and get links and show notes over on our website. That's australiaremade.org and click on the podcast tab. Follow us so you never miss an episode. Be sure to spread the word. If you're feeling extra amazing, you can rate and review. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time.